Hello and welcome to Dare to Know, interviews with quality and reliability thought leaders. I'm Tim Rogers, and today I'm pleased to welcome Harry McLean. Harry is a consultant at Harry's Reliability Engineering in Vancouver, Washington. Harry spent most of his career with Hewlett-Packard, where he held various positions in production, research and development, and quality and reliability engineering. His career includes working as a project research and development manager at Qualmark, quality systems and reliability engineering manager at AT&T Wireless, reliability engineering manager at Xantrex Technology, and reliability lab manager at Advanced Energy. His most recent position was director of reliability at Annexus. His expertise includes extensive knowledge of medical electronics and personal printers. While at HP, he designed and implemented the HASA process, and he's written several papers about HALT and HAS. Harry's book, HALT, HAS, and HASA Explained, Accelerated Reliability Techniques, was originally published by ASQ in 2000, and the revised edition was published in 2009. He received his electrical engineering degree from Northeastern University in Boston. Harry McLean, welcome and thanks for joining us. Well, it's good to be here and I look forward to uh, uh, our discussion and seeing what we we can uh, gain from it. Sure thing. Harry, I'm sure that many of our listeners are somewhat familiar with accelerated testing like HALT and HAS, but they may not be aware of the limitations of these techniques. Can you talk a little bit about where these techniques are best used and maybe share some of your success stories with accelerated testing? Sure. Love to. Um, well, first of all, um, some people tend to mix up accelerated techniques, um, you know, like uh, uh, pressure tests and, uh, and high humidity tests uh, with uh, with Halt and Hass, and they're, they're, they're quite different. For instance, uh, there is no mathematical model um, which will tell you that you've reached any kind of limit that uh, um, is too far beyond the, uh, uh, the specifications of the product. Mm-hmm. So what I'd like to do here is, is let, let's talk a little bit about Halt, highly accelerated life test. And then we'll also talk a little bit later about HAS, highly accelerated stress test, and HASA, highly accelerated stress audit. Each of these three uh, acronyms or technologies have a distinct place in the product life cycle. For instance, HALT is basically used during the design development of the product so you can make it robust. Mm-hmm. Once you're in production, you use HAS to monitor all of your product uh, your, your, your product output and making sure that your uh, uh, production uh, control system is, is truly uh, sound and in, in, in good order. Mm-hmm. And once uh, that has all been verified and uh, you're satisfied with that, then I certainly would drop to an audit and the audit, the statistical audit, and I talk about, uh, I think, four different models in my uh, book, um, you know, really uh, will work well. And I've used all four of them, pretty sure it's four, um, at uh, a couple of the companies that I, I uh, were, was associated with. Um, 
I first began doing this um, quite by chance because I was uh, with Hewlett Packard at the time. And again, we only had standard uh, testing in our test lab. And we knew with the existing printer we had in, in production and in the field, obviously, that the failure rate of that product, which was running about 1%, sometimes peaking a little bit above it, but right around an average of 1%, uh, could not be tolerated when we came out with the uh, next printer, the uh, DeskJet um, um, 500, because the volume on that was projected to be enormously high. Right. And a 1% failure rate, man, would be disastrous. So we needed to figure out a way to figure to 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 limit the the defects in house and yep. not out customers' hands. And Harry, I, I don't want to date you here, but this was the late 1980s, if I recall. Um, well, the uh, DeskJet 500, which is the one that we began on, was in 1990. That's right. Okay. So, um, and prior to that, there there was halt. There were only uh, uh, there was only one real manufacturer at the time and with another one on the horizon. And that original one was screening systems in San Diego, um, actually slightly uh, east of San Diego. And uh, Qualmark was seriously contemplating uh, getting in the business and they finally did get in there. So um, and it became quite a competitive world, let me tell you. And uh, I don't want to take any time and talk about that. <laughs> Uh, it, it could it could take a while. Sure. So, um, so with the uh, uh, what was interesting is at the same time we were talking about the how are we going to manage the reliability on this new product, the DeskJet 500. Um, out in production, we had a problem, and it was a major problem, and it caused us uh, three weeks of shutdown. Uh, during the testing of uh, one of the products on the line, um, the products stopped working at room mm. temperature. Wow. And, um, of course, in those days, uh, an automated production line, everybody stopped and they all came to see what was going on at the end of the production line, which was testing, and the product had failed. And during the next uh, three weeks, we obviously uncovered what the problem was. was we um, had non-disclosures and uh, thou shall not change uh, documents uh, um, with our, our suppliers. But this one supplier decided they wanted to change uh, the internal of a component. I'm not going to say what the component was. Sure. And um, But nobody would fess up to it. We found out what, exactly what the problem was. We went to the manufacturer. Uh, they said, yes, uh, we did make a change. And uh, they went back to the old uh, design, which worked perfectly well, and up we were back up and running. But that little glitch uh, really cost us dearly because we had uh, leased a a, uh, a freight liner to uh, transport European shipments uh, for the uh, Christmas holidays to Europe. Wow! And that all of that got canceled, and we paid for it. Yeah. You know, Harry, of course, the whole point of doing accelerated testing is to try to simulate the expected life of the product. And, you know, 
reduce the time required. I, I wonder if you could comment a little bit on how accelerated testing correlates to actual field failure or reliability data. Well, I actually um, did a, a study and I'm com- continuing to um, add products to this list. And in the list I have, I've got 35 different products um, going all the way from office products to um, avionics to um, power grid uh, interface products. And what I've done is I've compiled in here the MTBF, the AFR duty cycle. And this AFR and MTBF at this point I'm talking about are the estimated, the calculated ones up front. Mm-hmm. Then what the duty cycle is of the product. So how how long in a 24-hour time period does this product develop 100% uh, power, which is critical in determining the MTBF of the product or the mm-hmm. AFR. Then what the halt results were of the product, uh, what level, and there are six levels that I um, use in halt, going from consumer, which is a level one, to an all outdoor product, which is a level six. Comparing those limits, thermal limits, for instance, the published specs for a consumer product are typically zero to 40. What I call the guard band limits for the same level, which is level one, is minus 30 to, to uh, plus 80. Mm-hmm. So you see that there's, there's uh, you know 40 degrees at one end and 30 degrees at the other end. And this allows for for um, uh, degradation to occur uh, either over time uh, or of the product itself um, of stresses that, you know, instead of the product maybe being located at someone's desk, is located now next to a, uh, um, a door that allows the cold and hot air from the outdoor to come in. Right. So that can affect the performance of the product. So that was for a level one and for a level six, which is the highest level, the more the most stringent. It's called an all outdoor product. And this is a product specifications of minus 40 to plus 85 C. Guard band limits for that minus 65 to 110 C. And um, so later on, we'll talk a little bit more about the guard band limits, but they are extremely important because the last thing you want to do is start halting a product and you find all these failures you analyze the failure modes come back in with corrective action and let's say only four of the the six or seven that you found uh, will actually bring the product to meet or exceed slightly exceed the guard band limits right now what uh, you've done is you've wasted um, valuable time and money uh, in that corrective action, which may not be necessary in your product. Obviously, if you've got a failure mode that's kind of risky uh, to you at the point, which may affect the, the, say, one of the guard band limits, the upper or lower limit, you know, yeah, yeah, I certainly would uh, uh, do some analysis on that and determine whether we should uh, incorporate that. And that's why we also have a uh, reliability team in place which uh, uh, managed by one of the managers to look at what the failure modes are, what the corrective actions will be, and which ones we're going to implement and document why you're not going to implement certain ones. 
Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think sometimes there's a, a, there are differences in the types of failure modes that you see in accelerated testing versus the failure modes that you see in the field. How do you uh, reconcile those kinds of differences? Well, on um, on a good good percentage of them, uh, the component when you you do the failure analysis, you can find out why. Uh, that component is failing. Mm-hmm. And the failure mode that I talked about early on uh, before we began the DeskJet 500 um, uh, was a failure mode that would have occurred in the field and would have been a serious disaster to us. Right. So, um, and that would have been a component internal uh, failure and uh, would have failed at, at uh, temperature, maybe not today at the, uh, at uh, you know room temperature, mm-hmm. but certainly you know within a few months it would have failed. So the, the failure analysis really needs to uh, to to look take a, a deep dive into trying to find out where in the field this would fail, how would it fail, what would the consequences be, uh, not just uh, in terms of the product working or not working, but what is the cost of this going to be to correct it. Good point. You know, Harry, you were talking before about using accelerated testing as a production monitoring technique uh, or process control technique, not just a way to verify the initial hardware design. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I think you were talking about guardrails a minute ago. Guard bands. Guard bands, thanks. Yeah, the guard band is part of the halt process. So once your product has met or exceeded those uh, limits, um, it should be robust for the rest of its life, assuming that somebody doesn't go and make some kind of a crazy change like this supplier did without uh, getting approval from uh, uh, the, 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 the customer. Right. Um, so, you know, to me, a, a Haas process uh, certainly would have co- uh, found this defect and the HASA process would have found it as well. Because, again, you're not running the product uh, to uh, um, its published specification limits. You're running it to something that is in excess of that in HASA and in HAS. Mm -hmm. So you certainly would have detected it. And and so when you you talk about it, I'm a little bit familiar with HALT and HAS, but but HASA is a little unfamiliar to me. This is an audit, correct? Correct. So you're... You're taking production units off the line and and uh, sampling them um, and then doing accelerated testing. Is that correct? Correct. The uh, the process for Hass and for Hassa are identical. Same chamber, same thermal and vibration profile, same testing. The only difference is is in Hass, one hundred percent of what you build goes through the chamber. Right. Hassa is a statistical audit. And uh, we really like to pick things at random, not what production wanted to give us, but what, you know, <laughs> we wanted. Right. I was going to say, so how, how do you decide what the appropriate sample size would be for HASA? Well, <laughs> that really uh, takes uh, quite a bit of, of time to look at because it uh, uh, there are different ways of doing it. Um, the simple way we did it uh, initially at HP was to uh, 
in the equation, put in the uh, sample, not the sample size, the uh, failure rate that we're willing to live with. Right. What kind of a shift in that failure rate uh, would would uh, be considered uh, not acceptable? And so once that was achieved, uh, something would fail. Got it. You know, Harry, there's a lot about accelerated testing that seems to be kind of at the intersection between reliability engineering and predictive statistics. Um, does a reliability engineer have to be an expert in statistics in order to interpret the results of Halt or Hass? What, 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 do you, what, what do you recommend? Well, I can tell you that uh, my statistical knowledge was basically zero when I began <laughs> the HASA process. And uh, when I started working with a statistician at HP, um, he had zero knowledge of reliability. So as time went, uh, went on, um, I became quite familiar with the statistics of, of HASA and he with the, the actual process of, of HASA. Mm-hmm. And it worked out well because um, um, there were times where we saw things that had happened in HASA that caused us to uh, stop and look. Um, I can't go into those details, but right. they... Um, you know, they cause us to stop and, and think about it. Is this something that uh, is going to cause us field failures? Uh, is it going to be something that um, uh, we can change with a, you know, a change in our sampling? You know, a lot of questions come into mind. So, um, but there's, you know, uh, to, to go back to your original question, uh, the, the reliability engineer certainly with some statistics would help. I had none basically. And um, today, you know, everything I've written in the book, uh, uh, I'm, I'm familiar with. Um, don't know go asking me questions right now because I couldn't <laughs> answer them. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, they're, they're, they're interesting. Yeah, it's like I say, it, it, I think a lot of our reliability engineering audience has some familiarity with statistics, but, you know, to be able to do I, I don't know, hypothesis testing or uh, uh, really trying to estimate the probability of different events. You know, th- this can be pretty high stakes. I mean, you know, thinking about uh, 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 printer manufacturing, like you said, a failure rate of 1% is unacceptable when you get to certain volumes. And of course, if you're talking about fault intolerance systems, you know, where f- the failure can be, can be catastrophic, the s- stakes are pretty high. Yeah. They, they are. Uh, and, uh, you know, before you um, place a, a statistical model to test your, your product, your outgoing product, you want to make sure that uh, you're looking at, uh, you know, the what ifs. Um, what if you detect it? What if you don't detect it? Mm-hmm. If you don't detect it, is it something we could have detected with our testing? Or is it not detectable because our sample size is too small? Uh, All of that enters into the uh, equation, and you uh, really need to look at that carefully. Harry, this has been great. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And if any of you have any questions, uh, feel free to get in touch with me or Tim, and, uh, you know, we'll try to get the questions answered. And and once again, thank you for everything that... uh, Uh, the field of reliability does and that uh, what we hope it still can do. 
That was Harry McLean, consultant at Harry's Reliability Engineering and author of Halt, Hass, and Hassa Explained, Accelerated Reliability Techniques, Revised Edition, published by ASQ. This is Tim Rogers. Thanks for joining us.